The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cabo meal valid when product served. Tonight, it's the biggest night of the year for podcast fans. Our 2021 iHeartRadio Podcast Awards. These are really some of the best and brightest and smartest and most compelling minds in the country. Celebrate the podcasts we've leaned on for laughs, headlines, stories to get our adrenaline pumping, and voices to comfort us. This is a huge honor. We did it! Thank you to my listeners, because without them, this wouldn't happen. Don't miss our 2021 iHeartRadio Podcast Awards. Watch on iHeartRadio's YouTube and Facebook, and listen on our iHeartRadio app. Tonight at 9 p.m. Hello and welcome to episode number 34 of the LSR podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gambling industry. And hey, I have one of those bright minds with me in Adam Candy, the two E's no Y version. Adam, thank you for being here. And man, you know, listen, not a ton of huge, huge news for us to go through here, but uh, still a nice little, nice little roundup for the people that weren't able to follow along over the last seven days. I'm sorry I can only provide one mind instead of the usual <laughs> three, but I, I hope that I can be at least a solid 33% of what you would expect today. No, absolutely. So let's go ahead and kick things off here, guys. Of course, please subscribe, rate, and review. We want to keep climbing these ranking charts on the various ways that you listen here. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the different uh, places that you hear podcasts in your ear holes. So please go ahead and do that for us. Five-star reviews are very, very, very important. All right, Adam, let's, uh, let's start things off here with the countdown in Maine. I feel like for those of us of a certain age, we should be hearing Europe's the final countdown <laughs> going on uh, in our heads right now as Maine gets ready to deal with the fallout from a bill that it passed last year. So the short version is the Maine legislature passed a bill in 2019 to legalize sports betting at the very end of their legislative session. Now, there's some tricky rules that basically gave the governor the option to not have to deal with that bill because it was passed toward the end of the session, and she did not. So now we are going to be waiting on Governor Janet Mills because the main legislative session started on Wednesday. That gives her until the end of the week. There's some debate as to whether it's Friday or Saturday. But either way, that gives the governor a chance to do one of three things. She can either choose to sign the bill she can choose to veto it, or she can let it become law without her signature. From all indications that we are reporting, she's not going to sign it. It is a question of whether she'll allow it to become law without her signature or veto the bill. One way or the other, we're going to have a disposition on this thing by the weekend. 
Now let's head, you know, not too far down the road here to Vermont, another state that we've talked about uh, several different times here on the pot on the podcast. But we are having some decent news here for Vermont. We see Vermont among the number of states that have filed bills in the last few days. And this one appears to be fairly friendly to the sports betting industry. Senators Dick Sears and Michael Sorotkin have proposed what would be a mobile only sports betting bill. License fees of $10,000, 10% tax on adjusted revenues, no limit on the amount of online sports betting brands that would be allowed. Um, Of course, we are at stage one here. Uh, We're not that deep into it, just filed. And so this is something that is a follow-up of an effort that really didn't go anywhere last year. Uh, Vermont tried to get something going in the legislative session in 2019, and it really did not uh, advance all that far. Now, of course, Vermont has plenty of incentive to get involved in the New England market because we know that Rhode Island has the mobile law that went into effect last year. We know that New Hampshire has just launched its mobile product via its only operator with DraftKings. So Vermont not wanting to get left behind uh, throughout the entirety of New England here, trying to get itself involved. One other thing worth noting in this bill, it would also tax and regulate daily fantasy sports as well. One of the states we talked about here over the last couple of weeks, it was some good news in Michigan. They look to be joining the fold. And with them getting going here, Adam, we figured that the partnerships would be coming. We might not have figured they would be coming so incredibly rapidly, but that is not the case. We have partnerships coming left and right over there in Michigan. Partnerships have begun and they're not going to stop anytime soon with Michigan. Uh, And it was really interesting Matt, this week I was uh, fortunate to participate on a panel at a sports betting summit put on by uh, VSIN and 76 Capital in Las Vegas. And this Michigan deal was held up by many as one of the more intriguing that we've seen in the U.S. legal industry because not only did it legalize sports betting, but it was a comprehensive uh, gaming bill that also included online poker, daily fantasy sports, and some other casino elements and we're seeing it now come to fruition pretty quickly in terms of operators wanting to get in both points bet and the stars group via its fox bet brand announced 20-year access deals i should say one 20-year access deal uh for points bet with the lake superior chippewa indians and the stars group announcing a similar deal with the odawa indians uh this is basically just a way for these folks to be able to get involved in both the online and retail aspects of Michigan sports betting. It'd be interesting to see how this develops. It appears that each tribe will be able to have at least one access deal when it comes to online sports betting. So you could see various skins throughout the Michigan market. Uh, keep in mind also that MGM resorts and Penn national also have fairly sizable uh, presence in Michigan as well. Worth pointing out just to as a reminder, or if you have just joined us and found this podcast along the way, when we say the Stars Group, a massive, massive gaming group that is located overseas, you've probably heard somewhere throughout the course of your lifetime of Poker Stars. That is the uh, parent company to Poker Stars. And through the sports betting side of things here, Adam, I think that, you know, listen, you may or may not, depending if you're really plugged in, had heard of Bet Stars somewhere along the way. That brand has gone away. They have partnered up and now it is rebranded as Fox Bet. And yes, Fox being the media company 
that, uh, you know, is the partner with the Stars Group and all of this. So, again, it's kind of one of those companies where they haven't really, really broken through yet. But we do feel there is at least a path to getting some market share here in the States if they can figure out how to not only leverage a pretty good product. I mean, the app works pretty good and, and certainly they have some interesting ways that they offer bets, but through this media outlet that they partnered with. That really is the most interesting part of the deal is the media reach that the Fox bet deal allows for the stars group and for Fox sports, because we see that Fox sports is the first of the major sports media companies to choose to in some way operate its own sports book. They've integrated that sports betting product with all of their media personalities, both on TV via free to play and online uh, via a number of boosted bets and picks and so on from some of their more famous folks so when you look at the Fox bet situation, you see that they're already in New Jersey, in Pennsylvania. You see them getting into Michigan. They're trying to move quickly uh, and try to help stars with its investment in the U.S. market because we saw early on that uh, the bet stars really did not get any traction in New Jersey. And so we see the stars group making a calculated move to bring in a more well-known brand, at least in terms of sports in the United States. The XFL has yet to take a snap in the United States here. That will start in February. But listen, they announced some different rule changes they put out. They were trying to try to make the game a more viewer-friendly type of scenario. They want to make it faster. They are certainly have not been uh, shy about saying that they are trying to do some things at the NFL that they feel the NFL is kind of failing at to make the product a little bit better. And listen, they have also not been shy about the gambling aspect aspect of things as well and they came out and listen as i said not even a snap taken but they already have launched a betting integrity program for that league adam and so hey listen whether whether it works out or not or no matter what they're how this you know actually goes down at least they took the steps and understood hey let's go ahead and get out in front of this notable that uh, as you said that the xfl wants to be associated with the legal sports betting market in the U.S. in much the same way that the Alliance of American Football tried to uh, before that league flopped in its first year. Uh, the AAF tried to integrate not only sports betting, but technology for sports betting as well. They were some of the first to discuss using wearables for collecting player performance data that could eventually be wagered on when you talk about how fast someone is running, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So now you see the XFL in a deal with Genius Sports getting its betting integrity situation taken care of. The deal provides uh, monitoring monitoring for pregame and live betting markets, uh, analysis of odds movements, and so on, as well as, and I think this is very interesting, an online portal for staff and officials to be trained on league regulations when it comes to the integrity of the game. And given what we saw with the NFL this year, with the Arizona Cardinals and uh, Josh Shaw, their injured player, who for some reason thought it was okay to come to Caesars in Las Vegas and place bets on NFL games, well, that's a key element to be able to have integrity training for your league in the XFL. Absolutely. And guys, as always, all of these stories that we talk about here on the podcast, you can find over at LegalSportsReport.com in a full 
written format with all of the bells and whistles. And I guess, Adam, this is as good a time as any to say that, hey, your team has actually grown over there. We welcome on board. Matt Waters has actually been on board here for a couple of months. But if you guys are, uh, you know, kind of just now seeing these new names kind of pop up on the side over there, Matt Waters, and then another big addition in Brad Allen, who is helping out as well. So just tons of tons of content over on the LSR site. And you are going to see some new names over there. But we're, we're super happy to have the guys on board. The Legal Sports Report team growing by leaps and bounds and uh, no one happier about it than me. Uh, some great resources that we can deploy as the 2020 legislative sessions get underway as we cover all of the consolidation of the sports betting industry. Uh, LegalSportsReport.com will also be uh, undergoing some changes in the coming months. We're excited to announce those as they become available, but some improved navigation, uh, easier uh, ways to find some of our stories. And uh, there are all sorts of ways to access our content, whether it's via the LSR site, whether it's via this uh, this podcast on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. You can find us on Twitter at LSP Report and uh, Brad and Matt Waters, as well as uh, last year's edition, Matt Cradell, have given us a much broader presence in covering the industry. One of the states that we have continued to monitor and probably outside of New York will be the one that we just continue to go back to time and time and time again. And listen, it's because the population that is involved over there. I mean, it is, you know, when we talk about California, that if it was its own country, it would be in the top 10 as far as, as countries, as far as GDP in the entire world world it is so big and so many things go on over there so that's why we pay such close attention to what might happen over there in california and so all of these hearings we are going to be watching we're going to be breaking down we are going to be giving analysis on and there was one this past week adam yeah the california market is one of the white whales of the u.s legal not just sports betting industry but going back to the online poker days and uh, various forms of iGaming. Hearing held in Sacramento yesterday as they try to get some momentum for a potential constitutional amendment that would be generated through the legislature. Now, this is not the first time that we've seen this happen. It's been going on for years in terms of sports betting. We go at least back to 2016 in terms of an earnest effort uh, from Dodd and Gray in the Senate and in the uh, Assembly, respectively. LSR's Matt Cradell was on hand for the hearing and gave us some coverage of that. Nothing really happened. We didn't expect much to happen. Uh, not many industry representatives participating in this session. It was just meant to kind of be an overview of what's happening elsewhere in the country and what that might present as opportunities for California to learn from. Uh, but I would point you to our old friend Chris Grove. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at OP Report, who testified at this hearing and was pretty clear about the fact that he doesn't see California passing anything in terms of sports betting this year. I don't think he had a lot of faith in that effort uh, that's getting started at the legislature. We, of course, also know that there's a tribal-backed effort to put this on the ballot via initiative. Keep in mind, what we're talking about is actually having to change the California state constitution in order to facilitate sports betting. Now, the tribes want it to be operated through them and through the racetracks. Of course, you're looking at a potentially more broad effort through the state legislature. But as of now, it's a completely undefined effort. Uh, we basically have a shell of a bill that will be potentially filled in later through negotiations with a number of stakeholders. So uh, California at least has the desire to get something going. But as we've seen with New York, as we're likely to see with Florida, 
with these much larger states that have significant tribal interests and that have stakeholders who have very deep pockets and very broad interests, it could take a while to get done. And while we're on these big states, it's not nothing really new to add here. But there is a story up about New York where it just there is a senator that is, you know, quote, optimistic that the governor is going to put mobile sports betting in the budget. But again, this is something that we've we've heard from several different people several different times before. So I don't think we're getting our hopes up too incredibly much here, but it's probably worth at least saying that, hey, there is somebody out there that is optimistic that mobile will come to New York. Again, we've talked time and time again that it's only in a a handful of uh, brick and mortars in the northern part of the state, certainly not near New York City itself. That is why New Jersey numbers we see so highly impacted by the people just taking that short train ride over and placing bets over in New Jersey as opposed to sitting at home in the comfort of their own apartments and, and condos and whatnot in New York City. So, you know, at least, at least it's worth bringing up here, Adam, that there is, you know, someone saying that there will be some, maybe a mobile product in New York. Sure. That's something. <laughs> uh, it's better than nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's absolutely better than, uh, than not hearing it at all. But as you said, it's uh, sort of second, third, fourth verse, same as the first for what we've heard in New York. Yeah, there were some rumors going around uh, in the past couple of weeks that uh, Governor Cuomo might potentially include this in his budget with the mobile sports betting aspect. Uh, Senator Joe Adabo talked to Mac Riddell about that. He's optimistic, said he has a better feeling about it this year than last, but we've really not been able to find much verification for uh, Cuomo including this in his budget. And we know that he's been reticent uh, to go along with mobile sports betting. He thinks there's a constitutional issue with uh, the plan to consider bets as being placed at the servers on the sites of casinos as opposed to going through the constitutional amendment process to open up sports betting for the state of New York. So as of now, it's pretty much status quo with retail sports betting in New York and people crossing the Hudson to place their bets in New Jersey. Yeah, I actually heard Johnny Avello yesterday on on Visa that network that you uh, the sports betting network you were talking about. And he is you know, they are one of the operators there in New York and upstate that has a retail presence. And they asked him about the potential of mobile. And I'll just put it this way. He sounded less than enthused about anything getting done. And of course, they are the chomping at the bit. I mean, it would they would be one of the first to to benefit from a mobile product coming into New York but he did not sound overly enthusiastic about that about that prospect. That's understandable. And DraftKings, <laughs> of course, we know already has a retail presence, as does FanDuel, Caesars, and and some others in New York. So, uh, yeah, it, it's I would say you probably, if you're going to handicap New York versus California, you're probably looking at mobile sports betting in New York sooner than in California. But uh, you know, in either case, I would not try to pencil it into my 2020 calendar. We have talked a lot of times about how we feel that the products that have been offered over in these new markets are superior to the products that have been in Nevada. Nevada has never had any competition before 18 months ago. And so, you know, there was no real need to innovate, no real need to try and put out, you know, these cutting edge products because, hey, it was the only game in town. Well, then. New Jersey came on. Now we've got Pennsylvania. Now we have all these other markets. We have all these other companies entering. And, you know, Nevada, you and I have talked about it on this podcast several, several different times. So we don't have to continue to go into that. But certainly is way behind pretty much every other state out there right now as far as the mobile product. Well, 
BetMGM, MGM, MGM Resorts International went into a partnership with GVC, a very big gaming company overseas. We have seen that rollout already happen in New Jersey. But Adam, just as of yesterday, it looks like we might be seeing this make its way to Nevada. Certainly interesting news for those of us who live in Nevada and uh, have been banging drums about the mobile app technology. BetMGM app likely to be coming to Nevada. Target date is March Madness as MGM and GVC through that Roar Digital Venture got regulatory approval yesterday here in Nevada to relaunch that. The Play MGM app really hasn't been one that's gained a whole lot of traction, whether we're talking about in Nevada or in New Jersey. So for MGM and GVC, this feels like one of the first big steps they can take uh, outside of the New Jersey market to push this bet MGM app. Now, I'll let you talk about the uh, the functionality of that. I know you've played around with it a little bit and kind of compare it to you know what's here right now in Nevada. I can just say in general, it's good to see Nevada gaming companies paying attention to their sports betting app products. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it doesn't really I don't think it matches up as well to the big boys, you know, DraftKings, FanDuel. I mean, hell, even uh, even Fox bets app. But it is one of the advanced apps that is out there, which is completely lacking here in Nevada. You know that as well as anyone. And we, you know, especially from an in-game aspect, this was another thing I think that you said you you talked about a ton on the panel yesterday. But, you know, the in-game product, everyone believes that it's the future. You and I both do believe it's the future. We think it's a little further out than people think. But uh, in-game here in Nevada currently is a real, real, real pain. It is sometimes makes you want to bang your head against the wall where everything over on the East Coast just goes through so incredibly quickly and smoothly and odds update so fast and everything just works so much better over there. And so to get one of these more advanced apps in Nevada, I actually think is very interesting. I want to see what kind of market share and what kind of buzz this gets when this thing launches, because at the end of the day, I think there will be a decent amount of players, Adam, that will make a move to somewhere, even if they aren't getting necessarily the very, very, very best lines or the very, very, very best prop number or whatever it might be. But just being able to the ease of being able to put in the bet and the ease of the functionality of the app, I actually think they're going to get I think they'll make some noise here in Nevada. I got to be honest. I see why you say it, uh, because you can appeal to customers at different levels, right? You can talk about customers like yourself who are fairly savvy. And if you make it simpler in the in-game experience, then someone like you is probably going to direct more of your bankroll that way. But even if you're just talking about someone walking in the door and signing up and trying to understand how to bet on an app, how to bet live in-game, those who can make the technology simpler are going to win because that is where the market growth opportunity is right now. And we've talked extensively about the fact that there is a tendency for those of us inside the bubble to talk about these opportunities in a vacuum without understanding that in the broader sense, there is an education piece for either those who have maybe placed a Super Bowl prop bet once in their life or who have never set foot into a sports book to understand how this all works. And that is, by I think both of our counts, why the New Jersey and Pennsylvania apps, which have been designed and uh, and made for folks who are new to this, why they've been so successful, why they have the potential to gain so much market share is because instead of trying to figure out on an interface from 15 years ago 
you know, what the money line is going to be, you can very simply open the app and it says, who will win? And right. you tap one of the two teams. That's the sort of thing that can help bring this market into 2020. And finally here, don't talk a ton of DFS at Legal Sports Report anymore. Site used to basically revolve around that, but as sports betting became legalized and all of the news and all of the hearings and all of the laws and bills and everything like that, I mean, that is where the focus has really shifted, but we do still cover DFS at LSR and we just, you know, have got to wait for the big stories to come around. Well, this one is certainly that. Uh, you can go to LegalSportsReport.com and you can read. Dustin Gauker put an article out on this. If you got know about the commercial blitz you probably saw a commercial for the millionaire maker at DraftKings somewhere along the way turn a little bit of money into a lot and that is exactly what happens each and every week over on that site during the NFL season this particular contest was a $25 buy-in first place of a million dollars well the winner came out and Adam I think you have the kind of specifics of who these people are but it did not take people long to start digging into this story and start to poke holes in it. No, this is the rare sports betting story that not only crossed into mainstream sports news but crossed all the way over into the mainstream period uh ending up on TMZ because we're dealing with some folks who participated in both the Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise franchises for ABC. So the long and short of it is you're looking at a married couple that both entered one of these Millionaire Maker DFS contests at DraftKings and the wife of the couple, Jade Roper Tolbert, won the contest. Long shot odds, right? Well, she entered the max 150 entries and so did her husband. Immediately, the super sleuths on social media started going at this and figuring out that there might potentially be some collusion between these lineups, which would mean that you might be circumventing that 150 entry limit into the contest by essentially having two people combining on what would be one massive entry. I'm going to leave the specifics of that more to you with your DFS experience to talk about from the broader perspective. Boy, is this bad timing for DraftKings. Uh, DraftKings has just announced its deal to try to go public and merge with SB Tech. Going to be facing increased scrutiny from regulators in the upcoming months as those deals go forward. And now you're drawing a lot of attention to a situation that does not speak very well to uh, to what they want to be the perceived high integrity of DFS and sports betting, not that I'm saying there isn't that high integrity, but they want to look as unimpeachable as possible as the regulatory stuff comes forward. If you guys are unfamiliar and it's, you know, or if it's even just been a hot minute, because again, it's, it's been a while since a lot of the DFS stuff came about. The reason that there are 150 entry limits in these contests is basically as laws started to and bills started to get rolled out, it was basically just an arbitrary number. They got it got picked by, you know, some lawmaker somewhere along the way. You used to have unlimited entries into DFS contests, then they would make it 500. And now whenever bills and laws started getting passed, there was just kind of this number that was plucked out of the air at 150 lineups per person. And that became the status quo. So that is actually written into the terms of service at DraftKings and FanDuel and any of the actual legally operated DFS sites across the country. So a single human person can have 150 lineups per contest under their account. Now you can have 150 lineups in 30 different contests if you want to, but in a singular contest, you can only have 150 
unique lineups inside of a contest. And as you mentioned, the husband put in his 150, the wife put in her 150, and one of her 150 ended up winning the thing out of 105,000 entries for the $1 million. People go in, they start looking around, and they start comparing their two player allocations. And when I say player allocations is how many times did player X end up in her lineups? And so in this case, they really took exception to the way that the quarterback player allocation looked. It was, there were nearly a hundred percent allocation for her on three quarterbacks and nearly a hundred percent allocation on three quarterbacks for him. And there was very, very, very little to no overlap at all in those three quarterbacks. So it looked as if they were basically trying to spread out as many different ways across the six quarterbacks as humanly possible, and then go with the plays that they thought were optimal at all the other positions. And, you know, did this create, a really massive edge. I mean, listen, 300 lineups into 105,000 entries. I could give everybody listening to this podcast. I could give them 300 entries into 105,000 entry contest for 10 years and they wouldn't win it. But you know, sometimes you do. And sometimes you win the lottery, right? Adam, someone's got to win the lottery and she happened to win the lottery when it comes down to this. And you know, there is a lot of circumstantial evidence here that points to the fact that there was one of two things that went on here either collusion, which again is against the terms of service at all of these sites or skirting of the entry limits, which would be that the husband created 300 lineups and just happened to put 150 of them into the contest under his wife's name. Now they have denied this ESPN's David Purdom did reach them and they actually kind of doubled down on this. It is incredibly important for us to establish that Jade's win is nothing more than pure luck. We are confident that DraftKings will determine the same, he went on to say, we each put in our separate players in separate accounts and rooted for our own players. Now, I I don't know exactly, and Adam, you and I have, have talked about this offline, we've talked about this online, we've talked about it in a couple of other places. Really, the problem is, and as you mentioned, for DraftKings, not only where they are as a company, but the problem is, is how do you, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, prove this a hundred percent because it's not even like if you and I were trying to skirt the system, they could look and maybe see that, Oh, your IP address and my IP address are different. And we plug these things in and they're like, okay, yeah, this doesn't work. Well, these guys are married. They live together. It's going to be the same IP address. If they could look at, you know, an optimizer situation, if they used one of those to create these 150 lineups, well, again, they're married. I doubt that they pay for two separate optimizer services. They probably share the same one. So that kind of would check out as well. So it will be very interesting. DraftKings as to date, as we are taping this on Thursday morning is still not come out with a definitive ruling on this. Jason Robbins did come out and say that, hey, we would rather take our time and get this right than rush to a decision and get it wrong. And I actually agree with that. And I think you do as well. But this whole thing, I mean, it's just not envious for DraftKings at all. Not only like again, as, as I said, not only from a company standpoint, but just from the standpoint of how do you look at all the evidence that you you know, in your heart of hearts probably says that there were some shenanigans going on here. But it's very, very hard to definitively prove. And we're talking about withholding seven figures from someone. I think you laid that out extremely well for anyone who is not familiar with the nuts and bolts of all of this. We're talking about two different courts here, right? We're talking about potentially being in real court. And we know that the couple has retained an attorney. So 
maybe that's why you're hearing from DraftKings that we're not going to be rushed into this, whether you have legal counsel or not. Now you're talking about the court of public opinion as well. And in the court of public opinion, I would say DraftKings is probably going ahead at the moment and going to stay ahead going forward because there is enough smoke around this potential fire that I think most people are looking at it and saying, you probably did something that if it didn't break the rules, it sure bent them heavily until the breaking point. The question for DraftKings is going to be, given its situation, does it want to pay the money and just have it be over with? Does it want to fight this battle, not wanting to set a precedent that this is okay, and potentially have to deal with it in court, potentially have to deal with the legal fees, maybe settle it for less than a million dollars? I don't know. I'm speculating entirely on this just to give you an idea of what the options are out there for DraftKings. Frankly, at the moment, none of them are particularly attractive. It is not. And again, we will certainly update you guys on this on next week's episode after. Well, I assume a ruling will come in the next week, but, uh, you know, if not, then we will keep this at the top of our list here of things to touch on on the podcast whenever a ruling does come down here, because I actually really am fascinated as to how they're going to handle this situation, because we've had collusion allegations before in DFS. We've had cheating allegations before in DFS, but a lot easier to connect those dots when we're talking about people that live in different cities or different states or different things like that, where you can really, there is a a nice little internet trail of how things went awry. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about two people that are married and live together and would share everything as it is anyway, it is just an incredibly fascinating scenario here. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how this all gets resolved. Again, a story on that and everything that we talked about here on this podcast over at LegalSportsReport.com. Adam, I do appreciate you taking the half hour with me today. We ran through all of the big stories of the week. And of course, we will have the gang back together next week to be able to get some co- some extra commentary on all of these. But uh, man, it is uh, it is fast and furious here these days. And it's if it's not sports betting, hell, we're even getting we're even getting DFS news. Yeah, the band's getting back together, <laughs> except that we don't have much of the band actually here. This is true. It is true. Um, guys, uh, again, at LSP Report on the Twitter. And if you would, if you don't mind, go into your Apple, your Google, your Spotify, wherever you are listening to this, give this thing a five star and then write a quick review that it's informative and helps you keep up with the action. And we really, really, really do appreciate that. It'll help us climb the charts and more people be able to find this very podcast. For Adam, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal valid when product served. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment so you drive right to mcdonald's to pick up something extra delicious asap 
meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal, valid when product served. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 